Thank you so much, everyone, and a warm welcome to another episode of the Language Matters podcast. This afternoon is a pleasure to have with me Inda, who I met when I was doing my PhD at Queen Mary. And we are going to talk about another aspect of language-related bias. And this time around, our focus is on inclusive language. And Inda has a lot of experience. He's actually lived it and he's actually carried out research in that area as well. So uh, I would encourage you to be all ears, take notes. You can follow Inda if you want more clarification on anything he says. And getting to the end, I'll let him share his social media handles and how to contact him. So Inda, thank you once again for agreeing to, to speak to me and for agreeing to have this conversation with me. I would want you to encourage um, to introduce yourself to our listeners. Let them know who Inda is and what Inda is interested in and what they have been doing uh, all this while. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I met, met you during my, um, when I was doing a PhD at Queen Mary. Um, and I was, I'm interested in um, non-binary uh, identities and queer, queer kind of experiences more generally. Um, I've kind of been involved in, in queer community activism and um, work um, for since, yeah, since about 2009 or 12 or something. Um, but yeah, more recently I've been involved in like non-binary London and York LGBTQ plus history month. Um, but I'm also interested um, in yeah, language and, and gender and sexuality. Um, academically uh, and and beyond. Thank you, Inda. And so um, this afternoon, I would want us to explore, like I said earlier on, um, inclusive language, particularly in relation to sexuality and in our quest to make our, uh, our workplaces more inclusive and, and diverse. And yeah. please do feel free to share your own lived experiences with regards to language use. So if you can mm -hmm. just let my listeners understand what we mean by inclusive language, particularly in relation to sexuality, and why it is even important to pay attention to that. Yeah, sure. So, I, I mean, um, in regards to yeah, gender and sexuality, inclusive language is important in order to make people feel like not, not just tolerated, but in actually included and that you understand and, and respect people's differences. Um, and yeah, in terms of sexuality, I think there's more understanding these days than there used to be. Um, that, for instance, you you know, you might ask someone who whether they have a partner or, or something like that, rather than whether they have someone of a, a different gender partner. Uh, basically, um, in terms of gender, there's there's still a lot of work to do to recognise trans people. I think. Um, People often, yeah, assume pronouns and assume people's gender is a certain way based on how they look. But there are things you can do in order to to make people feel more included, like um, asking people's pronouns. Although sometimes people don't always want to be asked, but a good way of approaching that is is offering to, to well, saying what your pronouns are if you're comfortable doing that, and then that makes it clear to someone else that that you're you recognise that not everyone has pronouns based on how they look and that they can share their pronouns if, if they are comfortable doing so. Mm, thank you. I've learned something out of that. You know, I always mm. thought the best way was to ask, what are your pronouns? Mm. 
But now this afternoon, I'm learning that you can start by telling mm. whoever it is what your pronouns are, and then they can take a cue from Yeah, you. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it varies from, from person to person, but some people feel kind of uncomfortable and on the spot. And I think some people feel that um, you only ask if if you think someone looks trans. Um, so, so sometimes people feel like they're being kind of outed in a way by being asked. Um, personally, I, I'm comfortable with being asked, but it, it really depends on, on the individual. So a good way of, of starting a conversation is, is offering your pronouns if you're comfortable with it. And then you make it clear that they can do so as, as well if, if they want to. Mm. Thank you. So I think another important point that I'm getting from what you're saying is uh, we, there aren't any set rules about how to go about mm. it. It, it. It's all shaped and very much dependent on context. And you talk a lot yeah. about that uh, in your paper. And I would like for you to share a bit more details for people who've not read your paper. Why should yeah, sure. you pay attention to context? Isn't it easier if we would have just a universal and applicable um, sort of sets or norms of interactions? Your, your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, in my paper, I, I talked a little bit about um, how language varies, not just solely based on whether you're within a group or, or outside of a group. Um, it can vary in, in both kind of dimensions. So within groups, um, you might see, uh, so yeah, within, with, within trans communities, you might see people using different words to, to talk about transness, um, whether it's um, the, the term that's considered older in, in the Anglosphere these days of, of transsexual compared to transgender, um, but some people still use transsexual, um, or a lot of people these days just use trans. Um, and sometimes if you use transsexual, then people will think that either you're outside of the community or you're values or opinions on trans people might be a bit older potentially um and i think it's important that that you just are, are aware of what these words what kind of associated meanings these words carry but it's also important to to recognize that different people have even within the community different people use different words and that's that's okay um it's, it's, it's okay for people to use different words to describe themselves. Um, and yeah, I think you, you just need to appreciate that. And then, but also within the group, recognize that you might cast people out, even if they are a certain identity, if you're, if you too strictly police things like that. Um, so yeah, I think you, you need to be aware that some words um, might cause offense. But also that in some cases um, the, the the context in which they're used is is one is means means one thing or another thing. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's all quite quite complex and confusing. But um, I think just an awareness and open discussion is is important. Um, yeah, I think you've kind of uh, preempted my next question, uh, mm -hmm. which is. In spite of all this complexity, you know, mm. in the workplace, how do we begin? How, especially in our quest to make everyone feel included, where do we start from? You know, what, what is the right approach? And if you can yeah. touch on some of these things, if you can just elaborate 
further on them. And if people are looking for help, mm-hmm. for example, I mean, so what, what, what is the starting point? Yeah, I mean, I think a, a good starting point is is um, probably looking into um, like big uh, trans and LGBTQ groups. Um, I think there are language resources out there in terms of what the um, what the kind of typical language is. There's, there's quite a lot of stuff. There's um, a book by my friend Ben Vincent, which is focused on trans health, um, that they have a an opening chapter which goes through like the preferred terms um and then the terms that you should probably avoid and it is kind of prescriptive but it also recognizes that there is variance among the, the trans community and it does have an example of like saying trans space woman versus trans no space woman <laughs> and supposedly that the, the trans no space woman is can be reflective of um of transphobia but at the same time some people within the trans community do do use that so as i say it kind of some people use it to mean to to kind of vilify or other trans people and some people just use it to describe themselves and that that's okay but i think yeah looking at resources like ben's list is a is a good start um and there are other free free resources that are very similar online um I think trans student probably has something. Um, but yeah, looking at those kinds of resources, it is very, yeah, as I say, it's it's cultural and it's very Anglosphere central. So if you're looking at things from in Brazil or in India or some other culture, then the words that they will, will that they will use and the translations of those words into English won't necessarily map entirely onto what is preferred. Um, in the UK or the US um, at the current time. But yeah, I think if, if you try to look out, seek out those resources that that speak to the, the, the kind of places and locations that you're operating in, then that's probably the best approach. Thank you. And I, I can just relate that to um, Ghana, for example, where mm. it's, it's, it's literally a taboo, you know, to even have, mm. um, to, to come out and say that, I am not this specific gender and I want to be referred. So culturally, it's not acceptable. You know, so mm, sure. this is not a place to be using such that people don't even, won't even know what you're talking about. Mm. So being that sensitive and culturally aware is, is key, especially in organizations that have uh, global offices. You know, yeah. the way you communicate in your England office should differ from the way you communicate in your Ghana or Indian or so just paying attention to the context and the cultural norms that exist in in the the, the Mm. world. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I I think the next thing I would want uh, you to touch on, if you can share any of Mm. your experiences of how you feel, for example, when people refer to you using pronouns based on how you look. Hmm. I think um, it, it kind of varies. So if, if people are doing it in like a, a service context, um, I mean, it's, it's not ideal. And that's an area where I think companies could improve in terms of, yeah, having some kind of training around not assuming people's genders. So coming up with some kind of gender neutral term to refer to, to people they're interacting with in a, in a customer, um, customer service kind of context doesn't feel great but I'm aware that there 
they're just making a, a passing assumption. Um, and that's, that's not ideal. That's an area in which some kind of like, yeah, education or training needs to come, needs to kind of come into effect over time. Um, but I think it's, it's more harmful if someone knows your pronouns or knows your gender or, or whatever. And then con if they consciously then choose not, not to use it, then that's worse. If they subconsciously, it's not quite so bad, but it's, it's good if you can, um, try to, to practice or, or to learn how, how to, to use the correct pronouns, basically. Um, and, and yeah, there's another, another friend of mine, Sebastian Cordova wrote a paper on, well, wrote uh, his PhD on this, um, about how it, yeah, it hurts more. Um, there's this kind of idea in, in the trans community that, that dealing with these kinds of, um, uh, misgendering and stuff like that, um, it's so common in everyday context. It's like having like a thousand paper cuts or something like that um, every day. Um, but actually the ones that hurt the most are the ones that come from your loved ones or your friends and family um, more so than the everyday people. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that the, the people that you just, the strangers that you encounter in everyday context doesn't mean that it's not important and I think um, that the training and education can help with alleviating some of that stress that that you face on the, in everyday situations. Okay so I think uh, I would want you to maybe leave a few thoughts for people in the uh, diversity and inclusion space you know mm. uh, on how to manage some of these conversations and relations in the workplace how to make people who don't fit into what we perceive as, or what, what we've grown up, you know, so that, that directly falls into our biases of what we know as uh, gender, mm. you know. How, how do they make uh, the workplace more uh, inclusive in, in, in mm. that? Um, so, I mean, there are, there are things even within the physical domain, so things like um, gender-neutral toilets, um, not replacing gendered toilets, um, but offering some kind of alternative provision for people who don't wish to, to use female toilets or male toilets, whether it's because they're non-binary or because they're a trans woman or a trans man and don't feel comfortable going into either toilet because of potential transphobia. Um, there are things like that. And then, yeah, the, the customer service side, that's part of the kind of um, environment of, of many larger businesses and universities, for instance, you, you would have... Um, some kind of yeah customer service interactions with like the mail room or uh, the canteen or something like that and in large companies similarly um so kind of developing that kind of training um i think also yeah including pronouns in meetings and in um email signatures and stuff like that makes makes a kind of it's a small gesture that that reckon that makes trans people realize that that you are inclusive and you're not going to sort of question anything if they come to you and say my gender is this not not some other gender that you'd assume that they might be um so that there are lots of i feel like in general there are lots of small things i think companies quite often focus on medical transition policy um and that is one thing and i think support supporting trans people in terms of having the time to go to medical appointments if they need to is important but i think the 
the, the more everyday interactions and the physical spaces stuff is probably a, a bigger thing overall, even though it's lots of little small things. Thank you so much for making that thing. And I can't agree with you more, especially when mm -hmm. it comes to uh, diversity and inclusion and all those things. So we tend to focus on the, the big things like the race and the sexuality. So medical mm -hmm. plans to support other other important and small, almost invisible things like language use that yeah. are very critical in the workplace. So before I let you go, yeah. you've done a lot of research. I just want you to explain or break down what we mean by sex, gender, some mm. of the terms that people tend to get confused about, or maybe somebody who's, who's not even aware, you know, yeah. who's aware, but the, the fluidity of these terms. So if you just mm. keep people abreast uh, in a few uh, sentences, that, that would be nice. I think mm. the closing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the paper that I wrote on sexuality goes into, into kind of what sexuality is in, in quite a lot of depth and I've, I've written something on, on gender that's kind of similar in terms of unpacking it, but in more simple terms um the common like adage is that uh that sexuality is who you go to bed with and gender is who you go to bed as um so basically yeah sexuality is about who who you're attracted to and who you want to be with um who, who makes you happy essentially um and and gender is more about um, how you see yourself, your your identity, and how you move around the world, what kind of groups you feel you you fit into, that kind of stuff. Mm, thank you. I, I have learned, I have learned something from there, and I'm sure our listeners will learn uh, as well. So, uh, if, yeah. I don't know if you have any final thoughts to to say to anyone who um, doesn't necessarily fit into what we perceive as. Um, mm. I think yeah, just just seek out like community groups. There are there are lots of um, groups. Uh, whether you're if you're in a small remote location or a location that doesn't have too many like physical groups to go to, obviously we can't really right now. But um, if if, you, if that's your situation, there are lots of online groups. Um, some of the online groups like Non-Binary London is still tailored to specific locations, but it doesn't mean that you can't find other groups that are more general. There are lots of them out there. So I would seek those out and if you have questions they're likely to to be there to to talk through those with you thank you so much Inda. so if you can leave your social media handles so if somebody mm. wants to uh, connect to you where can they where can they find you why are you the most <laughs> um i mean I, i'm not super prolific on social media but all, all of my handles are pretty much the same and it's just Inda jazz which is y-n-d-a-j-a-s Thank you so much for your time and thank you to, to everyone who's listening to us. Like I said, come back if you have any questions, if you want, if you want any further clarification. If you're an organization who wants to expand your knowledge in regards to sexuality and uh, language, uh, Inda is a wonderful person who can help and you can always get in touch with them if you need uh, help in that regards. So thank you once again, Inda, and enjoy the rest of your yeah. day. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.